Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Spurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, happy Thor's Day. Um, it is NFL it's Draft Day in season. Australia. It's Thursday in Australia. Uh, it's Thursday here in the deep dive. Um, uh, my coworker over at NBC Sports Edge, the great Thor Nystrom, joins us to break down the draft. <laughs> what? Yeah, neighbor, my neighbor to uh, neighbor Oh, yeah. To Andy's neighbor, my coworker. Um, the, uh, the draft is upon us, and I um, figured it would be a good time to get Thor in because I know you've gone to the combine. You've talked to you know the, the draft Knicks. You kind of... You have you have uh, immersed yourself in the experience that is the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, so excited to ask some questions. Are you going to the draft, by the way? It's in Vegas this year. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, this is your second appearance, by the way, on the deep dive. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and good to be here. Uh, how is how has the draft cycle gone so far in 2022? It's gone pretty good. You know, we had a we had a fun week at the Senior Bowl, uh, the Malik Willis show, as I called it, and uh, the NFL Combine was was super interesting as well. Like this year, they I don't know what they did. They like you know greased the tracks or whatever. But but I, I think in the aggregate, like the prospects ran like a tenth of a second faster in their for, their aggregate forty times than they had in previous years. It was like before it was five one hundredths of a second that you would get you know faster at your pro day, and now it's like that that you're faster at the combine. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was it, it was interesting. We had that Saturday night where it was just crazy with all the front seven guys, you know, just one after the other. Just Jordan Davis, obviously. It, it was insane. Yeah, this has been a weird – I don't remember very – there's, you know, the memorable 40 times for me have all been just like crazy-ass wide receivers or the guy whose dick came out. And like that's it, or Lamar Chris Jackson, Jones, not, yeah, Chris Jones, Wait. yeah, Chris Jones, yeah. Oh. Or the, yeah that, that, I, go, I thought you, go. I thought you were talking about the Washington tackle with that video that got leaked about him. Yeah, talking no, about. The, yeah, he's <laughs> just running and it flops out. Oh. Or the or Lamar Jackson not run, which I didn't blame Lamar Jackson because people were being shitty about like, hey, we certain GMs are like, we think he's a wide receiver, and he's like, well, I'm not running a forty now, and I had bet a forty time prop on him that was very good at the time. Didn't get a lot down, but I was still mad that he didn't even run for me. I run, I run cold as shit on combine props. Do good on the draft. The draft is fine, but combine props, just like oh for a million. The Kyler Murray height prop that I bet, then they measure him, which still is. Yeah, you got the short. I you got, got the short end of that stick. I no got, pun intended. Absolutely got hosed on that. They measured him at like five. To, bullshit. So, I'm I'm happy to be. I didn't bet any combine stuff this year. I just stayed away. I'm happy to just only be involved in the draft. And what are we? For much 30. combine stuff this year. There was a little. It wasn't good. Yeah. Like the, it was very far and few between. It was kind of that's kind of the same as usual. But yeah. So that's how far out are we? We are in the thirtieth oh, of March. Month, we're a, a month. little under a month. Yeah, a little under a month. And um, let's say twenty five days. Yes, uh, twenty eight days because it's going to be a Thursday. Yeah, right? so, yeah. so it's going to be yeah. a, it's going to be four weeks from tomorrow. Um, do you like a draft like this where there's more uncertainty and we're not exactly sure how the top of the board is going to look compared to a draft like last year, where by the time we got to draft day, everybody kind of knew the top 10. Yes. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the draft is theater and the less that you know about the movie going in, the better. 
right? And so, like, th- this draft, I we might be on Thursday afternoon and have no idea who the first pick is going to be two hours later. When's the last time that you could say that about a draft? Within With two hours to go? Uh, yeah. Maybe the Eric Fisher draft from the Chiefs? It's been a bet. That's probably the last time I can think of. Maybe yeah. Thor and has a better is, answer for this, us. Well, this well this thing. this draft feels a lot like that Eric Fisher draft, right? Like similar kind of strengths and weaknesses, and similar kind of the team of all inches just kind of threw up their hands and said, "We'll take the best trench guy." Then, that's, in some ways, that's that's a distinct possibility. This I I, I do sure. think that the high end talent in this class is better, just because like okay. Hutchinson, he has to be considered dang near a transcendent edge prospect at this point. Historical mm-hmm. season, historical testing profile. And you know that he's not going to fail because of that motor. Um, and then, and then, I mean, like between Walker and Thibodeau, you're getting at least one perennial all pro out of those. Okay. If, you know, if, if not more, and then Jermaine John, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just think like this, th- this one has a little bit more firepower. It's just more of it's coming from the defensive front seven. I, I think. Okay. Gr- perfect segue to a question that I had high on my list that I wanted to ask you. Um, the testing and everything that we're seeing of just rewriting the record books on all this stuff is definitely partially a product of preparing for the test as much as it is these guys being this transcendent in terms of just raw measurables, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's well talked about, you know, in the, in the agent community and, and in Indianapolis about all the training that goes into it. And agents will talk about how much money they invest into their players training. It's one of the things that they use to incentivize prospects to sign with them, that, that we have more money for your training, et cetera, better trainers for you, et cetera. So, I mean, it's absolutely something that they do. And, and when you see like the year over year improvements, you know, I mean, th- this year, the 40 was ridiculous, but like the, the other test where you, I, I think you can see it more is like the three cone, because you can cut, you can cut time off of that without necessarily being more athletic, just by being more efficient with your movements. Yeah. That's what trainers teach you how to do. And that that's where, and it's not like we've just started talking about this this year, people prepping for these specific events, which again, like quickness, agility, quick twitch stuff. It's not like there's no use for it in football, obviously part of that translates, but like, are you starting to be able to see through the lines a little as far as like, this guy isn't that good. Like I've watched his tape. I mean, you watch more college football than <laughs> 10, 10 Andes and Drews put together. I mean, you've, you've seen these, some of these guys play three, four years, dozens of games. And then you see what they're doing at these combine events. And it's like, all right, this guy was coached up a lot. He really brought the measurables at the combine, but Thor's not fooled because essentially it's it, some of this is gaming the system. Like, and I, with the money being thrown around, I don't blame these kids. Fuck oh, yeah. Go no game way. the system. Get yes. high. But as far as like how you feel about some well, of these Well, don't get high. No, yeah. oh, well, I mean, that has been a draft day theme with the <laughs> bong gas mask. Yeah, if, that's if true. You go back. Shout out to Larry Mitanzla. <laughs> shout, shout out. God, that was a right up was next that, to the draft, too. That was the year, actually, that we you want to talk about theater. 1. Yeah, that was and he wild. ended up falling. Yes. And it yeah. all it all coalesced and blew up like as the draft was happening in real time. That was that was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, no, but to, yeah, uh, to go back. Yeah, to the point, no, but the like, cap, are there yeah, are there you... some guys like that that you're? It, and this is you know this won't be more of a betting question because if they test out good and they you know they 
game the system per se, they might still get drafted highest. They could fool some teams, but I mean, are there some guys that you think are getting steamed too high up the board and might, you know, not, I don't want to say flop or fizzle out, but won't live up to those expectations or that draft slot as well, we start to see their NFL careers. Yeah. If, if I'm taking that as a, as a two-part question, I, I think for the first part of it, I, I don't think there's an advantage for any prospect because all prospects have access to training. And if they're not training for these events at this point, that should also be a negative in their evaluation. <laughs> Maybe it's just manifesting as good a, a, a tick slower in one of the tests. But if you're not training as hard as your opponents, you will lose in the NFL. So that, that, that would be a harbinger for that. And then as far as like guys with their testing specifically, like for sure, you know, testing is something that you can't count twice in an evaluation, but you also can't count, you know, you can't count it twice and you can't let it cloud, you know, the, the, the total evaluation. But like, for instance, uh, uh, Tariq Wolin, He's not going to fool me of uh, being over six, four and running in the four twos. I'm not going to like put him in my top 40 or top 50 because I know that guy labors to change directions. And I know he has some mental lapses. He has dominant reps, but for me, that guy is a, he's a super scheme specific type player. I, I wouldn't want him doing a ton of man coverage type stuff. The length and the speed is, is special, but you don't want him having to track around a Tyree kill yeah. in the open field. It's not going to end well for you. Okay, so was, I mean, uh, just per, real quick though, perfect answer. I mm. didn't, I didn't really put two and two together, but it's, I, I don't want to compare what these kids are doing because they're busting their ass, they're working with specialists to get there. But it, it reminded me of like the Lance Armstrong stuff. Like he, he, he didn't win be, just because he cheated. He win, be, he was still very, very good, and everybody was doing it. If he hadn't blood doped, guy probably got fiftieth. You know, like yeah. if you, if you're not doing what everyone else is doing. You're going to be you're a massive disservice to yourself. So, I mean, good yeah, point. he had the best for what it's worth. He had the best team. I mean, yeah, he was the best. <laughs> he was the most well capitalized. So he had the best team of chemists, which, uh, you know, stuff had money matters. Um, OK, so let, I agree with all of that, though. The um, the process is interesting. And, you know, we're, we're, you know we're, we, we love the draft. We love the kind of the picking through, you know, who's going to matter, who who's going to improve their team chances, blah, blah, blah. Um, but really, we're this is a gambling podcast, and you know we haven't had tons of gambling opportunity yet. But I think it's pretty important to kind of understand how the process works, how the mock draft space works, and honestly, how like the information space works because it's getting more and more complicated, and it's getting much faster. Like one person tweets one thing that's somewhat speculative that gets a lot of attention, and then all of a sudden the screen just completely wipes out, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, uh, I see what's happening here, and. Um, notable example, of course, with pick 1.1, a lot of speculation. Jags were going to take a, uh, an offensive lineman, and then all of a sudden they tag Cam Robinson. Daniel Jeremiah tweets one thing about, well, I guess they're probably going to take Hutchinson now 1.1, and Hutchinson flipped from 6 to 1 to minus yeah. 400 in a matter of an hour. Um, the I guess what are some of the general concepts and rules that you kind of you kind of live by when it comes to how the process plays out because you have a couple of events like the senior bowl, like the combine where everybody's kind of getting together and mixing and the opinions are actually being shared and you are, you, you're curating real information. And then you have the last couple months where it's pro days, speculative clickbait shit. Like, you know, you know, am I kind of painting the right picture about how the overall process works and, and what to kind of pick for useful information versus noise? Yeah. And I, I think the the important thing is is figuring out for yourself what's bullshit and what's not right. Like the, the 
the the perfect example of this is in the last class with the 49ers and the their trade up when everyone thought you know because they it, it, it's not just like the bullshit the clicky bullshit coming from journalists the clicky bullshit's coming a lot of times from the teams as well through you know through the journalists and in that case it was the 49ers telling these these people with really big platforms that they were going to take Mac Jones when they had zero intention of taking Mac Jones they were only saying that because they didn't want to take Mac Jones Right. And that, you know, it turns out that they were on Trey Lance or whatever, but like you have to separate good information from, from bad information. I think you also have to use your, your intuitive mind as well. Right. Like, and connect some, some, some pieces and some dots here and there um, when things aren't making sense to you. Yeah. The, the biggest part over all the conversations that I've had with Drew, with you, with, Anybody who's talked draft with us for the past, God, how many years now have we really got deep into the draft, which is one of the most fun parts of the summer, like or the or late spring into the summer before we get into the other sports is like the mocks, like, all right, these guys mocks, these are bullshit. They fall into different buckets. Like this is a bullshit mock, but it's a huge name and people <laughs> are going to pay attention to it. I'm not going to name any, you know, names. Yeah, definitely you know, doesn't work just, for any four-letter networks that let's we just are call him. Yeah. Let's just call him, uh, you know, blank analyst junior. Okay. Yes, you know, okay. There, yes. there, are, yes. there are those. There are the bullshit ones that, you know, maybe they don't have a big following, but they start to get some steam on, like, social media for one reason or another. And a lot of it, I think, is because it meets somebody who has a big following's narrative. Like, hey, this mock, is I really like it because it meets all the things I already think. It's all my preconceived notions in it. And then some random who put together a shitty mock gets a bunch of run. And you see those. And then you have the guys that you trust. And the worst part about the guys that you trust, and I don't think this is coincidence, their dra- their mocks aren't out as early. Like you wait, you wait for <laughs> yeah. those. Like weird that that's. I mean, uh, if we'd have put that together in year one, I think we'd have had some better luck. But some of those do take a little more time to solidify because they're just they know what they're doing. They're not comfortable. Just I'm not going to put out shit guesses. I'm going to wait till I have information, senior shrine, combine interviews, contacts, you know, other media members that I trust. And then they put out something good, and that's we're getting to that point right about now where that's where we are in in the market cycle of draft props and the draft props are starting to pop i know that was a big thing in the draft chat everybody just pissing and moaning every day every day when are we gonna have over-unders all we have is like first overall or first quarterback and my god so then they drop one more extra prop and then everybody would sit and overanalyze that one prop because it's all <laughs> we had to look at for that day so i'm happy that everything's out although it is a little overwhelming and then it I'm was just, sort of like a nativity yeah. calendar where you open up the one window every day and you <laughs> yeah. get the chocolate. You, know, one, you get one extra prop. Yeah. yeah. The countdown to, to yeah, NFL Christmas. All here, of so. us degenerates just go, go around. I want to bite. I want to bite. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess I didn't really have a, that wasn't really a question. A lot of my questions are just like that. Well, no, I think, I think you know, that, that's, yeah. Where, so where who do we, who are you waiting for? Yeah. You know, what are, are, yeah, are exactly. who are some analysts that you are especially keen on? that you are like uh, following, you know, that you have great respect for what they put out in terms of a mock. Well, I was just going to say in terms of like the timing thing, like if I had my druthers, I would just put out one the day before the draft. Cause it's like the more it, it's obviously going to be more accurate, the more information that you have and you're continually getting new information. So yeah, I mean that there's way more guesswork involved, you know, the further back that you go in time. Right. And you just have to do it with the information that you have at the time. Sometimes that's not a ton of it. Right. Um, and some of the people, 
well, anyway, I, I won't say that. But anyway, uh, and then as as far as um, people I respect, I, I I more look at it like um, there's. I try to go with beat writers that I think are plugged in. And then uh, the media guys, I sort of attach them to different teams. Like, you know, Love we, that. yeah, we, we've talked in the thing about how Jeremiah, you know, he's got his couple teams and um, you know, the, the other guys, the, there's a few other notable things where the a media guy is attached to a certain thing. And I, I think that's when you can start putting freebie spots in when, when one of those guys feels really confident about, a certain direction and then it's about more like, like this that the ones you don't know as well you're you have to do the thing where you're parsing information and making educated guesses and stuff like that but sometimes you get the free spot because the the beat writer the the draft guy will will lead you in the right direction like i, I rem just one example of this i remembered a couple years ago like right after the um the college football playoff where um one of the nfl i think it was jeremiah um, he put uh, Josh Jacobs in his mock draft in the first round of the Raiders. And at that time in January, no one was talking about Josh Jacobs as a round one pick. And and that was one, you know, just speaking uh, team connection to the, the guy, you know, Jeremiah's buddies with Mayock. And no, so yeah. you see something like that, that is totally out of left field from what you're thinking at the time and what, what other people are thinking at the <clears> time. <throat> and you know that that person has inside information into the situation that's where your eyebrow goes up. And uh, that's why by the end of that draft process, everyone knew that the Raiders were going to take Josh Jacobs with one of those two picks. It was right next to each other. That's, that's, can you... It's such a, mo yeah, it's a mosaic of like, I think you said it really well. Like there's not like some perfect analyst we're waiting for that has the perfect mock that is like, Oh man, this is like 80% accurate. I, I love this, but it is the same thing. Like, Hey, this guy is connected to these teams. This guy has been right about this team three or four years in a row. I don't know what the connection is there, but yeah. he seems to always nail this team. Is there a connection we don't know about? And then you have the GMs is like, all right, this GM is always full of shit. This GM is super bad at being full of shit. And we're, we're, we're always kind of being able to tell that he's just really poor at putting up a smoke screen. And probably the most likely move is what's happening anyway. And you take all those pieces and you can get like 50% of the first round pretty well together and then you start trying to fill in the empty spots. And I think that was the biggest problem with last year was we don't have somebody who we know was fed any good information from the Niners. And you had a front office who was just known to lie to you. They were content to absolutely just fill everyone's head full of crap. And it was such a pivotal spot. Like it changed a lot of things, you know, it wasn't going to change what happened with the cornerbacks and the defensive needs around that eight to 12 spot. And it wasn't going to change a lot with, you know, let's say what the Lions and uh, Sewell and Chase and some of those picks. That was always going to happen. But like how the quarterbacks slotted out were so based on a team that uh, up until a couple hours before the draft, nobody really, nobody knew. And it's like they could be telling the truth about Mac. I have no idea. And nobody else does either. So anytime the 49ers are good, I think is good for us. Or if they've traded their first round pick, like the further back the 49ers pick is, the easier the draft is going to be to mock. Well, I, they, yeah. I would almost say, though, that like everybody's going to try to do that now. Like that's going to be the de rigueur going uh, forward yeah. is, is, is like getting the better of your opponents because the Niners got some decent, you know, I mean, they gave they ended up giving away a lot last year to move up to three and maybe didn't even make a yeah. great pick. But uh, I think there's a lot of people who are, are going to kind of follow that strategy. Can Can you give me an example, I guess, of, um, again, because 
the last two years we didn't have a senior bowl really or a normal combine process where you get the media and the scouts and and the uh and the gms together and there's massive information sharing this year we did um can you pluck any examples from that where you were like oh wow like that was pretty obvious that these team was zeroed in on this guy and that then influences how like mocks get shaped in you know thereafter Oh, like from past year, from this or year, or just this year? Anything you noticed this, this year? year yeah. Um, well, like from information I got, uh, I found out the Steelers love Malik Willis, and now everybody knows that. You know that sure. that, that was one of them. Um, but that that's hard to get, to reach in the mock draft because he ain't falling to twenty. So then you have to do the the trades, you know. But I I was talking a lot with like the Detroit Lions media trying to, um, because I don't have any like. You know, it's not like I have like, you know, Campbell on speed dial or Mark Brunel on speed dial. So like the the other thing that those opportunities afford you is you can talk to the beat writers of those teams mm. and and you can hear through them, you know, that who, like what those guys told to them. And so, you know, in that way, you're sort of that's sort of where the information trading game comes in, because then you can tell them stuff that you know and, and stuff like that. But I was really curious about the lion sniffing around that thing. Cause at the combine that it went into the, the, the narrative going in, like you mentioned before, people at Jacksonville taking an offensive tackle in their mocks, everyone and their mother had Detroit taken Aiden Hutchinson at number two. Yeah. And when everyone is going one way in, in sports, sports gambling and anything like that, <laughs> Thor's fighty senses always go up, you know? And, <laughs> and, and so I was talking to some of the lions guys and they were like, Oh no, the lions love Hutchinson, love Hutchinson. Like it was like, you know, all their guys were like fawning or whatever. And it was like, but why would they be telling you this stuff? If that was actually who they were sitting dead red on. Um, and it's interesting because a couple of those guys have started to come over a little bit the, the other way, uh, particularly, I guess, with Hutchinson now, you know, potentially not being available at number two. But, um, I, 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 you know, it, it's fun getting information like that and trying to piece things together that way as well. Okay. Um, the uh, So then here we are uh, with a month to go. Um, and I guess to Andy's like kind of example earlier, like there's certainly like, a, uh, you know, somebody out there who's beating their chest, like I'm the second most uh, I'm, I'm the second most accurate mock drafter in the last 10 years. And it's just because they put out 15 mock drafts and they happened to like pay close enough attention that they had all of the spots sort of right at the very end. And that's what got graded. Um, you know, so I guess is, is there, uh, you know, an example beyond DJ and maybe, maybe J Daniel Jeremiah is the, is the quintessential example because of who he's connected to and because of where those teams have, spots in this draft but is there someone whose draft will come out and you'll you have like uh twitter uh notifications on for and you're going to immediately flip open and just look specifically at a couple of picks oh a, a few absolutely like i mean every time i see that daniel jeremiah has a new one up i'm i'm clicking on that for sure um i like chad writers a lot at, at, at nfl.com as well peter schrager he's really well connected uh when, when his comes out and then there's there's the I, I don't know his name, so I I, I was, almost was not going to bring him up. But that guy that like was like for two straight years, he finishes the top mock draft or whatever, and he only puts out the one. And he's like he's he's the guy who is like truly taught me the importance of the beat writers because like when you when they asked him like his secret of success, it was like he he's always just going on the beat reporters like their intel, and that's how he pieces it together or whatever. So he, he I, I always see Kizad. I, I I'm blanking on his name right now, so I, I'm sorry if he's Donahue. Okay, 
That's yeah. okay. We'll keep it a secret. Yeah, okay. We'll keep yeah. it a secret. Just but, we'll, we'll figure it. We'll talk to you offline about it. And um, we'll, we'll go check that one out. Yeah, but, I, but, but I love mock drafts. Like, yeah. I, I'm a fan of the form myself. So I, I read a lot of them, honestly. They're addicting. Like, when you yeah. see one and it's, it's, it's clickbait without even having a clickbait title. Yes. All you have to do is like, oh man, I want who did they, like if there's one spot that's just everybody has different. I'm like, man, I got to see who they have sixth. Yep. Like, you know, a lot of that. Or last year, I got to see who they have third, and then I want to see what they did with the Lions and Bengals, and then I want to see what they had in that in that Cowboys Eagle that area. Like every mock draft, I just I didn't care about the rest. Okay. It's like because you knew the 26 spot was locked. Like there wasn't a mock that came out for was that 26 um, the Steelers spot. Were there Najee Harris last year? Najee, 20, whatever it was, right? That 20, but yeah, that Najee Harris. I didn't see a mock draft for like four months that didn't just have Najee Harris. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. they're not very, they're not very cards close to the vest. They're not one of those teams. They're they're the opposite of the 49ers, the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, selfishly, and I'm not, again, I'm not a huge fan anymore, but it's local. Like you talk about these Detroit, do you talk much with the, the Vikings beat writers? I yeah, know we're, um, Cronin's moving on, but there's Thomason and who's the guy at the athletic? Uh, Chad. Um, oh, Arif. Oh, yeah, Arif, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have no idea. I haven't even followed really the Vikings pick. I yeah. know it's kind of in a weird spot. They're what 12. There's some defense. Are we, are we just going defense? Look at me saying we just a big Vikes fan. <laughs> Oh well, w- when I start going on them, I'll say we eventually as well. So yeah. we'll just we'll just go with it. Um, I yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be defense. I, I I you know, in the only it, it would take something like Iki Aquanu falling to twelve. I I think for it to be offense, you know, because otherwise, you, your your needs at I mean, cornerback most pressingly they did sign Peterson, but I I still think that they need a cornerback, and then they also need they still need edge an edge guy. I don't maybe not the first round now. Cause they signed Smith from the Packers, but um, I, I do think it's going to be on, on, on defense. Okay. Um, before we get into the specific, the way it goes from top to bottom, because I do want to pick your brain on a couple of those. And again, completely respecting that, that we're a, you know, a month away and lack can change. <laughs> um, true. Just give me a couple of true or false years. Okay. This is the worst year for quarterbacks of the last five years. I'm going to say if- like, like, right, like, heading in perception wise, or like what I think it'll be, yeah, uh, heading in perception wise, because present um, this is what matters. Like, like, people, yeah. people are yeah, like we're, we're yeah, a month right, out, okay. in um, it, yes, in terms of perception, probably yes. Okay, true or false? Last year was a weak class for edge rushers, which will put a premium on getting a one of the elite edge rushers in this year's class. It, if it's true, okay, I'll go true if it if it's binary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But in general, that's a fair thing to say. I think. I mean, this edge class is so much better than last year's. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, okay. it's a hard comparison just because it's this is a good class. I think yeah. last year was probably just mediocre. There was a couple and, of and this class is awesome. Like this yeah. edge rushing class is ridiculous. You know, you're yeah. going to get a top ten guy at you get him at 13, 14, 15, 16. Right. You're going to get a right. second rounder in the third round. Like it's it's not just stacked at the top and like guys that that could be all-time greats like we got three guys in this class that that could go up there depending on the way that things play down but it's all the way down the board like it's okay. it, it is also an extremely deep edge class as well but we, yeah we just off, we didn't have the good. depth like the the middle what who was the first edge was it quitty pay or mm. last year um, it, oh, oh, shit. Oh, no no the miami oh, no, miami uh, what's Parsons. up uh no uh 
Uh, yeah, oh, I guess yeah. I'd, I'd count Parsons, but like uh, uh, who is who is above yeah. Jalen Phillips? Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, and, then, and then you had like right. three or four right at the end of the first round into the second yeah, round. Was, yeah, that was they're all class. okay, but yeah, this, yeah. this class is okay. This is uh, that corner. class was probably more like this quarterback class, and okay. we we're flipping them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in general, this feels like there's lots of good offensive tackles to be had, but there's not huge stratification. I mean, obviously, the guys at the top are incredibly good, but like, if you if you if you wait a little bit to get tackle, you're not like really, you know, getting that big of a difference in terms of an impact player. I I think it it goes into day two. I I, okay. I think once this class you get into day three, there's a lot. Of, I mean, some people like some of these different project guys. There's no like projecty guys back there that I love love, but I think that this class is deep into day two. Like okay. Daniel Daniel Falele is just like you know, historical human mountain. Like he's something that we've never seen before on planet earth. He's going to go in round two, even though he was really good in college and literally just started the sport and moved to America. And everyone's like, you know, shitting on him in part because it's a, it's a good tackle class, right? Like yeah. you can't, you there's, you certainly cannot get him into your top four, uh, maybe even top five. Right. So like, okay. you, you know what the depth is there. Tyler Smith is another guy who is, he is rapidly moving up. But like, you know, is, is it going to be a six man, you know, offensive tackle first round or could he bump all Raymond or like whatever? But like it it goes down into there, especially with guys like Abraham Lucas and that Kellen Deesh kid from Arizona State sure. testing really well. Though I think those guys planted their flag on day two. So I think we're going to have a deep day two of, of offensive tackles as well. I love it. OK, so two more real quick true falses. Uh, cornerback is extremely top heavy because Sauce Gardner is as good as he is and no one else really kind of long-term all pro potential true 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 ish okay okay so i you know i guess where i and i'll come back and tell you why i asked you all this and the last question is um we had several historically good wide receiver classes come through now like a bunch and a bunch of teams they've got their young guys and they, you know, there was some free agent trading and moving of blue chip prospects to where teams with big holes filled those holes. Um, is that going to create some sort of little mini slide effect when it comes to wide receivers in this draft? I think it will in part. Yeah. And and the other thing about this receiver class is, you know, on day three, I, I wouldn't say there's, you know, I'm not going to say that the, like an all pro is going to come out of day three, but, but what, what this receiver class does provide that day is it's got, it's got receivers prospects for every different kind of taste later on you know you have like the slot guys you're gonna have some some pop the top guys available on on day three you're gonna have guy again for 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 all the different kinds of uh, needs that you would have a niche need on your roster so um i mean you know th there's still gonna be a couple teams that are still gonna prioritize them in the first round but th this class i don't think is as strong as like you mentioned the, the past couple all right okay oh, very good i mean last last year was last year was silly and I mean, even even the year before that, we didn't expect some of the. I don't. I don't think anyone expected Jefferson to do what he did, and like that really helped that class out when you look back at it. But it was still viewed as oh, a strong no, class. Some, yeah, there was those. I mean, I like Ceedee Lamb is Ceedee Lamb is a no. Good, I know it was it was a good class. But, I mean, Judy last year, is a good player. Yeah, last year and Ayuk was a good throwing player. Throwing out everybody who didn't play for Alabama or LSU last year. It was a good wide receiver class. Yeah, right. Like, right. just take those four and you're good. But it has been interesting because we've done this thing with running backs where it's like, oh, man, they took a first-round running back. You got to try to find some guys at day two. And there's been a ton of that with wide receivers. And I'm not saying, yes. like, hey, 
you know, it, it's hard to pass. Like you mentioned, both Bama guys, both LSU guys. The year before, there were some high average CD and Judy and all these guys. You can't just pass on those because you think you're going to find a Pittman. But man, there have been a ton of guys yeah. in day two who have really kind of popped as a wide Higgins, receiver. And I've, yeah, yeah. Higgins, Higgins, another good example. I wonder if there, like, there's so if many I'm pro up, bowlers yeah. and yeah, so much value that's been extracted from day two, round two. But you know, you you could even extend it to day two. But round two, I think specifically, and I, I think you can make a really strong argument that receiver, if if you had to make a tiebreaker on a sort of ROI decision or whatever, that receiver would be the position you would wait uh, till round two if you had your brother. No, I'm not talking specific to this class, but just because of that, because yeah. there's been way more hits at the receiver position in round two than, for instance, quarterback. You do not often get star quarterbacks out of the second round, you know, or some of these other different positions, yeah. but receiver, they do filter down. Yeah, no, that's very true. Okay, so that's, let's then go through the top yeah. and, and see how kind of just general thoughts on how this shapes up. Well, I mean, um, real quick, Drew, though, and I just yeah. just kind of a scout question on that because of that. Like, are are you hearing that where, I mean, scouts are, are scouting maybe the entire department. Are they changing their philosophy on how they're starting to evaluate maybe some of these wide receivers where they're not just saying, like, ah, he's best available. We need some wide receiver depth. We're going to take some. Like, I'd be digging in on day two wide receivers now just with as much stuff as popped. I don't know if it's just how the position is played differently now at some of the top schools, but Christ, I would, I'd spend a lot of time on that if I was a scouting department. Yeah. I mean, we could see a shifting of dynamics of the way that the league is valuing, you know, high end receivers just based on these recent blockbuster trades, right? Like the, the yeah. math went the other way between production and, and contract value at that point, you know, with this it's, it's with draft equity. And, and I think, you know, not specifically that I've been told that, but there are teams that I know are sort of zeroing in more on the sky mores and those guys of the world than they are focusing on first round receivers because they're they're naturally sitting dead right in, in, in on day two for that. Um, I, I don't know if that was a conscientious decision that they made because of mathematical analysis of this or just specific to this class. But I, I do know some of that's going on in this class for sure. I like it. Um, well, position. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you you need so you need volume when it comes to receivers. So swinging as many you know times as you can down the Find, board makes finding sense. A yeah, finding, finding a clay pool. Yeah, finding a clay pool. A mims finding even. A, yes, finding a Debo Samuel and AJ Brown, a DK yeah. Metcalf, a Deontay Johnson, a Hunter Renfro was a so many. Round pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it's it's absolutely worth kind of investing your time down the board on wide receiver as far as I can tell you, which I think may slide some of these guys a little bit, but we'll see. Which shouldn't Um, mean that you should just reach for wide receiver in the second round, like Sean McVay, I feel like he did for Van Jefferson. (laughs) Yeah. Or or Van Jefferson. He's sort of. Tutu Atwell was a disaster, but Van Jefferson. Sean McVay is the only exception to this rule. And Bill yeah, Belichick. There are still two two outs. Yeah, like, yeah, Bill that, Belichick that should just call it a career of drafting wide receivers. Give LaVisca, up. LaVisca, um, second rounder a couple years back. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. And I, I have not given up hope on LaVisca. I'm trying to get I'm, him to Kansas I've not City. given up hope on KJ, Cam, KJ Hamler. Oh, two okay. drafts ago, second round wide receivers were outrageous. You had, uh, yeah, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Chenault, Hamler, Claypool, Jefferson, Jesus. Mims. Uh, there you yeah, go. It was, it, was, uh, it was a good class. Freak show. Um, 
Okay, so let's go to the top of the board here. Jags are pick 1.1. Jags do not look to be well run as a franchise still. After <laughs> I, That's my general feel after looking at some of their free agency decisions. Yeah. Um, they have a quarterback presumably in, uh, in Sunshine that they drafted last year, but they have holes still everywhere even after spending a billion dollars in free agency. Um, what does your gut say about how they ultimately uh, deployed this 1.1? I, I, I'm going with the chalk this one with Hutchinson just just because you mentioned it with the Cam Robinson tagging. And the other thing that happened in the interim time, you know, around the combine time was the signing of Brandon Scherf. And it's not, you know, I, I know the tackle is a different position, but that that blocks one spot where you could sort of fail Juwan Taylor down the spectrum. If you were going to put Evan Neal at, at right tackle, they probably still want to play Juwan Taylor. They're not willing to, to pull the plug on that quite yet. But like the fact that you, you took out one of those guard spots, I, I'm not going to say that they're locked in on not taking that or that certainly that they're locked in on taking Hodgson, but he has to be seen as the prohibitive favor right now, I think, after his combine and, and all that sort of stuff. Okay. I kind of hope that that does settle down so we can really, really get some people to dig in in terms of what's going on with number two. Um, yeah. I, as far as I can tell you. This is where the draft probably starts. Yeah. Right? There's a yeah. chance they take a quarterback. There's a chance to take best defensive player available. There's a chance that uh, that they trade the pick. I think those are all realistic in the cards. Um, you know, what uh, What are sort of, I guess, the Lions really invested heavily in the trenches last year. They had a lot of draft capital at the top of the board. They took a lot of big bodies. Um, I felt like they were setting themselves up where they kind of had to take a quarterback this year. And it turns out that, yeah, may, other than, you know, the, the the high upside of Malik Willis, there's not really a great option for them. Um, do you think they are being a little cagey about what they intend to do with this pick to see if they can get a deal for someone to come up with two and that they ultimately have eyes for Malik Willis? Or is this going to be best defensive player on the board? I know they're being cagey. I, I oh. don't I, I don't know what's behind it, but I know that they're being cagey. Um, I and I'm sure that they not that they've settled on a guy at this point. I, you know, you always take information into the last day, but I, I would guess that the decision makers there are at least leaning in a direction. But yeah, I mean, there's you talk to five different people that cover the Lions or you know, or around them or whatever, you're gonna get sort of five different answers. Whereas before it was, you know, it was all uniform for Hutchinson. Once that was taken off their boards, now there's all sorts of theories about about what they could do. You know, we're hearing like Trayvon Walker more now, it, some steam for that, and, and and you're seeing some different stuff like that. So, I mean, all over the place. But I I'm sticking with Malik Willis until until further notice in that slot. Okay. Now, one important reason to be cagey is because you don't want someone to trade with the Jaguars for the one spot. That's and, right. And scoop him. Uh, and I think that, and I think the Jaguars, if the neck, if there starts to be some rumors that the Lions are taking Malik Willis in the next month, the fact that it may be coming from the Jaguars trying to induce a trade seems likely. Um, so keep your antenna, uh, you well, know, you also just said that. it's not a well run like the Jaguars. I, 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 I worry that they just won't have the, the ability to pull that off right because they're just possible it's just yeah the 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 point that you made well i i think it's a great point that the the more detroit likes malik willis the more they are incentivized to tell nobody he he was not someone that was viewed as a for sure first round pick coming into the process um and he has certainly been rising 
but if if you like Malik Willis and you're Detroit, you have every incentive in the world to tell all your media contacts and everybody else that you like everyone but Malik Willis because you you don't want to get hot. It's like people people ask like, well, why would the 49ers lie to their media contacts about the the Mac Jones Trey Lansing? I'll tell you why. Because Robert Sala was picking in the two hole, he yeah, had just right. come from working with those guys. <laughs> yeah. They knew that he was going to take Zach Wilson. They didn't want Zach Wilson. They wanted Trey Lance. So. You know, we'll we'll just say that we're going to take Mac Jones so Sala can't figure out who we actually like, and maybe have a second thought about is Trey Lance actually a better prospect than Zach Wilson? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so, Andy, let me ask you about Detroit. Then, uh, if you're Detroit and you pass on a quarterback this year, what's the plan? Oh, buddy, you're going to win too many games next year in a weak ass shitty division. That's where and to we, be to get a bite out of the good quarterback class next year. That's what stinks about and we said this in our previews last year. We liked how Detroit was setting up for the rebuild and it's nobody's fault how a draft class shakes out as far as who's who's the valuable players at this spot. And I say this every year about Detroit. They should try to trade back. If they don't take Willis, if they don't truly want Willis, they trade back. Again, that is another thing that depends on other independent variables, like another team wanting that spot, another team being able to offer enough for you to want to move back. And after that, like the move is probably to take defense, but defensive players sometimes uh, end up, you know, paying dividends too fast, unless it's like a corner. Sometimes I think corners really, really do struggle early. And that's probably going to be the case even for our top two guys, Sauce and the LSU kid too. And that's the, no indication of how it definitely will be for Stingley. <laughs> yeah, I mean Sting, Stingley. Well, I think Stingley can have a nice career, but it's it yeah. might be a rough start. If you don't get that? the joke, Stingley's gotten the core, the Thor kiss yeah. of death already. So yeah. he's he, he, best of luck to him in his pro career. Hopefully, he's not yeah. on my team. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but no, I'd say yeah. like the the move is to go defense. But for, if for that Detroit, pays too much. If that pays too much dividends, then you you know if your defense improves and you win a few extra games, which maybe a, a really good couple of moves on defense isn't gonna like buy you two games or three games. So I wouldn't say like uh, let's just try to but build your, some your young guys depth. that you drafted last year are getting better this year too. So know, you're all of a like, sudden like you're a 500 ish team even with Jared Goff at quarterback this year. You might as well be you know, put a rookie quarterback in, let him take his licks, let him get beat up a little bit over the first half of the season. I think that, I mean, and or just at least get a guy on your roster who you're going to intend to build around. And and, that, and that's where, if you they know, choose you, not you, to do that. I just, I don't know what the vision is. Well, that's where I would hope the vision is to trade back. And maybe they have an eye on a different quarterback and they are being very cagey about it. Well, they have the 32nd pick in the draft. They have the 32nd pick. So presumably yeah. they could pass on quarterback at two and take best quarterback available. And get your five with, year, get your five years with another quarterback. Uh, do you get the sense that there are true straight lines connecting them to the likes of the corrals or the Ritters of the world who may be available then? Not necessarily to to a, a specific prospect like that, like with the later pick, but they got the what is it, thirty two and thirty four. They're yeah. gonna if they don't take a quarterback at two, you must take a quarterback in those two picks. Like I'm, 
I'm sorry, but I don't see the downside of taking Malik Willis. You've been a dumpster fire franchise for the <laughs> last 30 years. You're going to take another trench player because we're going to build it up. And, and then like you mentioned, you know, just we're mentioning like you're deferring the quarterback thing. You're not going to win until you get the quarterback. And so now we're going to be two years down the road. Now we take the quarterback and we're going to roll the dice. And if he doesn't work out now, you've done the thing where you screwed up the core with, with the quarterback again. And so like, for, for me, there's no time like the present, and there's there hasn't been many quarterbacks ever to enter the NFL that have the ceiling that, that Malik Willis does. I You're right there, and the, he's right there for you. If you don't take him and he turns into an all-pro, D- Detroit football deserves what's coming to him. <laughs> you compared Detroit to a dumpster fire. Let's not slander dumpster fires. Um, <laughs> can, we, can we do a sack? They serve a purpose, all right? Sack more yeah, time out. Sure. Stop. Yes, go ahead. Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Bucks. As of today, as of right now, right as of two Ari- minutes Arians ago, just Arians retired. Stepped down. Oh, really? And they, and they elevated West? Bowles, not uh, Leftwich. That's that's the curious mm. part. I think the Arians thing. A lot of people speculated about that with the Brady Bowles. return. They said there was many people who knew some stuff with other people said there was a decent chance Arians is not the coach, but I didn't mm. think it was Bowles. Wow. This is like mm. the Godfather, where I, you know, it was. When it was uh, yeah. Abe, Abe Vigoda, I always thought it'd be the other guy. So if you're Tom Brady, why, why don't you make your return contingent on being the NFL's first player, Coach? Well, you know, Tom, from Tom Brady comes back is basically he put the horse's head with the Kangol hat in Arian's bed. And sure said, did. You're done. You're out of here, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're out of here. You're done. You're done. You're done. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised. Clemenza? Because yeah, you risk, I mean, Lithwich isn't like a an uber hot, you know, head coaching prospect that you could get sniped on that but you probably are losing well they almost got sniped by the jaguars all right yeah you're probably he took interviews yeah he was close on the jaguar thing that's Mm. that that's what's puzzling to me is like Mm. if they play well again and it should be a good team like left which i'd say it's 50 50 he's just because there's always six openings yeah here's another uh real quick thought todd bowles tougher to get rid of um and his defensive scheme prevents them from beating the Rams in the playoffs if it comes down to that. So I think that might be ultimately be a problem for Brady getting one last ring. Not that he needs an eighth ring, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, Bulls defense is too, too poor of a fit against uh, the Rams. You guys remember that game with Leftwich at Marshall where his offensive lineman had to carry him down the field? I do, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You remember do you remember that uh he used to have the world's longest ever uh you know the, the wind up. motion? The wind oh up my was, god. Yeah. His, oh his, yes, it his was his wind up was was out of this world. If yes. you watch tape on it today, you'd be like, This guy was drafted. Huge, <laughs> like, huge oh wind god. up, huge oh wind up. Oh my god. That was, yeah. that was we. I think we um, made that joke because we we liked him. I'm not sure if we liked him to like be really successful as head coach, but we said like, if you're the Jaguars, take a shot on this guy. So, and we joked about like they should bring back this offensive lineman to carry him into the interview and just like yeah. really show he's serious. And also was, do it during games like Lance Harbor from Varsity Blues. He'd just be you on go. the sideline with his crutches and calling the plays, doing the formations. You he know? was picked seventh overall in the 2003 draft. With I was going to say, oh yeah, he was. God. Ay, ay, ay. So the Jaguars have always sucked at drafting, apparently. Um, all right. Well, uh, going back to the Detroit Lions then, because they are a super interesting team, because as you mentioned, they hold a shit ton of capital, picking yes. twice in the first round and then immediately in the second round. Yep. Um, 
and I there are people that have hit hit the shit out of under three and a half quarterbacks in this draft, and I agree that's what it should be. But the idea that you get to pick thirty pick pick thirty one, the Lions didn't use number two on Malik Willis. Yeah, two quarterbacks have gone. Say you know, Pickett goes to whoever Willis goes to the Steelers, or you know, it's not even there. But Steelers pick someone, the Saints pick. So there's two quarterbacks gone, and you know the the Lions are going to use pick 32 on a quarterback. That pick 31 becomes very valuable to anyone who wanted to trade up from round two to get their guy before the Lions. You know that they're going to pick one, right? I think so. Yeah, so you could I end stands up with for reason bang, to me. Bang. QB, QB right at the end of round one and bust that under three and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if the, just for instance, like the giants, if, if they're looking like we need to get a, you know, future guy, cause we're not going to go forward with Daniel Jones and they fell in love with one of these, you know, secondary guys or whatever, I could absolutely see him poning up there. There is a 36 right now. It'd only be a five spot drop for Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. would take a round three pick to do that in a second, maybe even round four. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, I I have not played under three and a half quarterbacks. I will not play it. I know that that has taken steam down to three at some shops. Uh, you basically have a free roll on over three as far as I, I was going to say, I will go the other way. And and people, people love to bet this because, oh, it's such a weak class, but like it's, it doesn't matter. It's a supply demand thing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it, if the world only made shitty pizzas, we'd pay money for those shitty pizzas because we love pizza. Like from your lips still, to God's ears, my friend. Yeah, they want quarterback. Everyone needs quarterbacks. It's so important, and that these these front offices will overthink it. They'll talk themselves into fucking Sam Howell. They'll talk themselves into Pickett. They'll. Talk, I mean, I don't hate Ritter. There, there's, but I mean, these guys are not of the caliber that we've seen in some of these other draft classes. And like a fourth guy popping into that fourth first round. Well within the realm of possibilities with what we see out of the, the from 20 to 32, man, that, that every year I just am blown away with a couple decisions like, huh. And sometimes they don't always really come to fruition. Like I thought, but like, man, the, when the saints passed on, um, was it queen? I think that was a, a spot where they passed oh, yeah. and, he ended, and he ended up on Baltimore. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. what a, what a gift. And then, yeah, obviously, Baltimore. Yeah, because it made just, sense because of the local kid. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I like that move. It's, and obviously, Baltimore had their own problems with just the the entire rest of the team got injured last year. But every year, I, there's some surprises, and quarterbacks are the least surprising of the surprises. Every, yes. every year. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's move on a little bit here to in the top 10. Houston Texans pick. They take who the hell cares because they're absolute <laughs> dog shit franchise. <laughs> <The best. laughs> they take the best tackle, probably Neil. I mean, does it matter? Walker, Neil, whoever, you know, whoever they, whoever they fancy, do they have? You know, their needs are basically everything. I guess they're sticking with uh, Mills's quarterback, so they're not going to take a quarterback in this yeah. draft. Um, yeah, you know, we, who, who, who would surprise you that you've seen mocked to the th in the three spot? Um, I don't know if I would say anyone's necessarily surprised just because it's so wide open, and I think people know that they're not going to take a quarterback, so they would not be a spot for Malik Willis and. Uh, you know, they, they they are bringing back Laramie Tunsil, but the right tackle position is open. And the, the point that I've made is, and NFL people know this to be dang dang true, the last draft class we had, there was a third of the declared prospects because of the, the waived eligibility here by the NCAA. The next couple of draft classes are going to be super deep 
you know, just in terms of, of, of overall numbers, right? Like qualitatively, that's one thing, but, but it will just be by the sheer numbers much deeper. And so next off season would be a great time to trade Laramie Tunsil. I don't know if that's something that Houston has, has thought about of like, we need to, you know, it, it would be actually be valuable for us to keep them for one year where Davis Mills is going to be the full-time starter. So we can try to get Davis settled in. And then next off season, the, the picks are going to be super valuable. So then, you know, maybe we trade them, you know, or, you know, heading up to the draft or whatever, but I, I, I think that's in play. And Evan Neal would be the, I mean, both the guys are, are, they both say that they're natural left tackles. They can both play right tackle. But for me, Evan Neal, if if I'm thinking about the guy that that I would want as a long-term left tackle, Evan Neal is the guy that I want. I, I just he he's prototypical. And I don't really understand people that that nitpick his game. He seems like one of the best tackle prospects that we've had, had come out like in the last five years. Okay. Neal 3.0 or 1.3. I like it. Um which brings us to the most interesting team in the top 10, which is the New York Jets. And that's because they pick four and 10. Um, I have a supposition that they go pass rusher early because they don't want whoever's left at 10. And they want a wide receiver probably also if the Metcalf deal doesn't come to fruition. So they'll just take their choice of wide receiver at 10, which may be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, does this sound plausible if you are you know, the, the in the Jets war room? I think so. I, I think edge rusher, like all things else equal would be the the leader in the clubhouse, but there, there are other possibilities. I mean, like if Trayvon Walker is there, that would be my guess right now. But today, I, I, as you guys know, we, we saw the odds switch on, on sauce Gardner at, at number four. And I like the, the where that would become plausible to me is if in the scenario where Malik Willis does not go above them. And then instead, let's say Detroit goes Trayvon Walker, right? And then and then you got three, you go the offensive lineman. I think that's where New York, where that could be more in play of going with the cornerback. You guys remember at the beginning of the process, everyone was mocking Derek Stingley to him. And that, that didn't make any sense just because, you know, Stingley the prospect. But Sauce Gardner is the prospect that people thought Stingley was at the beginning yeah, of the right. process. Yeah. yeah, he actually is that. So well, then, uh, let me. Uh, you you go me... to Walter football, you're still going to see Stingley at three. Let me push back on the, oh, right? on this on the, yes. some of the on some of the steam as well for a second. Okay. Now the guys that steamed at are guys that I have a ton of respect for. They are very very on the they're on it like they are very carefully on uh, following this entire process and they don't do stuff like this without a very good reason. That said, the market is lacking any liquidity whatsoever right now, which means it takes the breath to move the fuck out of a lot of these numbers. And so there you may there may be some kind of market anchoring that goes on with the way that market moves in these first month and change until limits really do become or you know until these become widely available because right now they're really just not widely available. The most any you know if you're traditionally betting in the offshore space you can get like $50 on this sort of stuff yeah. and you know so so the idea that these are moving like wildfire to me i think be somewhat conscientious it's they are being moved by people who know what they're doing but they are not like you know as solid as this is 100% info like you will find later in the cycle i will say with certainty there will be moments where some number just goes ape shit and it is because something is known and that will happen. Yeah, you see this 72 hours before the draft. It means a lot different than you know uh, these lower limit props that a book's just going to move because they're like, well, people 
people might know something where we have a low limit here. We don't have a big liability and we're not in a position to take a big liability via volume. So fuck it, let's move. And I mean, even, even last year, we talked to uh, Dylan at Circa and he said, he's like, it's hard, you know, because (laughs) well, he's like, just the, everything that moved was one way action. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm one guy. I, you know, there's other people in the trading room watching stuff, but he said like, there's, everybody else literally everybody else in the market is on the other team and all it takes is one one of those people to get the information before you then they bet it then they tell their buddies and then they you move it and they double pop you and he's like he's like a lot of times i mean that was my favorite part of that entire interview he said you know i think they were taking a thousand dollar limit on all those over-unders he said if if like we'd get a couple bets on the app or on the counter on the same guy within a certain time range, I would just have to go back and like start searching Twitter. He's like to try to find like who is what what is driving this? Who's who's you know what are the rumors? Who's talking about this guy? Why is this person moving like wildfire? And I think his two were Mond. Who's the other quarterback that went around Mond? It was Mills and it was Mills and Mond. Mills, I think Mills, Trask. I think all those quarterbacks just got beat to the piss to the under, and I think they all cashed no matter what number he had. They all got drafted a lot earlier than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, Jets. May take a corner. I still think the fourth pick is you could put it in pencil, maybe pen, that that's going to be an edge rusher. Um, and I any, had Trayvon Walker in my, Trayvon if, Walker, yeah, that, my most yeah, recent okay. one. Yep. That sounds about right. Uh, no chance they take Thibodeau. Thibodeau's hit. Okay, I guess. And then let me pivot. Thibodeau has fallen for the right reasons. Like, actually, like, there's some smoke there behind teams not uh, willing to take a chance on him. Even I think he's, it's... Well, I that stuff I think is bullshit. I'm like, I I haven't heard one person who's credible. And and I've talked to multiple people who have been around him. No one knows where some of this stuff is coming from. Like I've talked to people who have covered him. I've interviewed Kayvon. Like he seems like a really smart, uh, gregarious, engaging person. And and sometimes the NFL just like, uh, uh, you know, people that have outside interests, they don't take Mm -hmm. as as kindly to that. And, And once you have something that you can sort of, nitpick on it i think some teams toss that out there but for as far as he goes like i haven't seen any any fire behind that smoke um and and his athletic profile is there and his statistical profile is there per down so i mean but as far as him being in play there the thing that really hurts him all, all of that being said and i love cave on but aiden hutchinson as i said before just had a historical season with the historical athletic testing composite Thibodeau can't compete with either of those and you certainly can't compete with trayvon walker's athletic composite his right? arms are longer though well then sure. then then hutchinson's sure yeah i mean no and he does have some stuff right like the the north south explosion stuff like that like yeah. and i'm not saying like he very well could end up being the you know the best player in this class or one of the best players i'm not arguing against against that it's just it, as far as the evaluation that's why he has certainly been hopped by hutchinson at this point and and the, the tide is starting to go towards towards walker also having uh usurped him just because the testing profile was so stupid and out of this world the the like outside interests thing the, uh, this guy isn't oh, fully God, focused on football. So like that's the dumb. I like, think it's bullshit. That's it's it's the worst, and it happens to a guy or two every year. It's like literally like me going in for an interview, and they're like, "Hey, Andy, do you like ice fishing?" 
because that's gonna be that's gonna be a problem if you're doing that in your spare time. <laughs> like, like, it, it, We're not. I, yeah, I, I get, you don't sound like dolphin material if you like ice fishing. Yeah, I, I um, get. You know, I guess it, this is this is a lot different from you know ninety nine point nine percent of jobs in the world. Like you do really need to be all in because we see guys like Jamarcus Russell who. A lot yeah. of talent, not all in on, you know, practice, playing, attention, watching game film. Like, you can't have somebody who's so far down the care level. But, like, the, the one they do every year is like, I don't know if this guy's fully focused on football. And it's 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 always such a stupid one, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. For sure. I, I love Thibodeau. The, uh, yeah, I, we'll, I, I probably got time for one more, but I, yeah, I got an Uber yeah. that's just outside. It's, okay, we'll cut you yeah, here. Yeah, it's been almost an hour. Just, uh, just one minute away. Okay. Okay. So, uh, final question then. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that you have beyond the Malik Willis thought, uh, one, one strong conviction you have in a positive sense about any player that's going to be drafted in the top 10 that you want to bestow upon our audience, your, your team gets this guy, you hit, they hit a home fucking run. Who, who, uh, who really sings to you besides Willis? I would say you almost got to pick a guy in a spot. Yeah, I would say, man. It, um, well, Kyle Hamilton I, is 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 the guy that I'll say. He's getting nitpicked a little bit right now because of his speed. His his play speed's just absolutely fine, and um, he helps you so much against both the run and and the pass. So he he he's a slam dunk guy for for me, and I I love Sauce Gardner as well. So um, I, I'd be happy with those two guys. Okay, so where do you want him to land? I would like Hamilton with one of the New York teams, probably. I, I think that th- those are the ones that have the needs for him. And uh, Sauce Gardner, I would I okay if I had my druthers, um, I almost think he I'm gonna have him ranked higher than this, but I would like him to go nine to Seattle because uh, he rem- reminds me a lot of Richard Sherman, and I think it would be cool for Seattle to you know just to take him and just because of that, you know. He's, what you're, what you're if next. the what if the what if the Giants do something crazy and take Sauce Gardner five and Hamilton seven? They could. It's just that they have so like their offensive Ooh, line is the worst in the NFL. <laughs> That'd yeah. be, like, be quite awesome, I think. Yeah, like if well, if I mean, I mean they they certainly could, this. but but they have the league's worst offensive line. And if if, if either Aquanu or Neil is available at five, and okay. they don't take them, I'm going to be pretty surprised. Okay, right. good point. Good we point. don't we don't want your Uber canceling. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd hate that, especially coming we'll out have, here we'll to the birds, fun. boys. You know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Hey, appreciate it. Hey, enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks again for your time. Check out Thor at Thor Q K U on Twitter and uh, his great stuff at NBC sports. Can't wait to have you back on uh, bet the edge and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of the draft cycle, my man. Appreciate it boys. We'll see you soon. All right, Andy, you got any hot predictions before we wrap the pod? Anything no, that I, you feel strongly convicted I, about? I wish we'd asked where he's going. I'm curious what he's going to do. I think he's got, he's, he said he's doing an, another, he's got a live podcast at a brewery. Oh, he's, Oh, you're, yeah, you're at you're at a bar. I'm in a lounge, but he's going to an actual brewery. I might have to text him, show. ask him where he's going. There's so many good <laughs> ones up in Minneapolis right now. Oh God, there's a few decent ones down here now that are popping up. Um, hot takes? Not really. Not hot I, takes, I, but just strong conviction. Strong convictions. I tend to disagree with the Willis steam. Oh, I I don't know. I think maybe people. Maybe a team or two could get scared off by uh, – I don't want to lump these two completely together, but because BYU is not the same mm. as an FCS team, but uh, the fact that we saw 
Wilson struggled. The fact that we saw Trey Lance barely get used. Some teams maybe being a little scared off from lower-level quarterbacks. And maybe Ritter, Ritter, even despite how good since, you know, maybe he even falls into that a little too, just based on some of the strength of schedule outside of Notre Dame. Like, uh, it's 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 different when you don't play these big, big games in and out. And, you know, everybody can point to Flacco and Roethlisberger and even Wentz early in his career. But it's easy to, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, sample bias. Like, oh, we'll, we'll pick two or three that were really good. For those guys, there's like 100 that maybe didn't even come out of cam. You know, it, it's it's very hard to evaluate a quarterback in general and evaluating a quarterback against lesser competition, I think really muddies the water. And I don't know. I'm, I'm horseshit at evaluating quarterbacks. I don't, I'm not saying Malik Willis isn't great, might not be great, could have a great NFL career. I just wonder if teams are going to be a little scared off of, uh, you know, someone who wasn't at a major program based on some of the stuff we've seen the last few years. So if he, if he gets passed up by Detroit, price to see like a a heavy fall like 10 15 i don't know yeah same like who, with who else who else Panthers. who else is like yeah. yeah yeah like who else is really 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 hungry to like there's so many other spots that the giants need to fill in that yeah. uh, i'd be surprised at five if he fell that they're like oh man let's take another quarterback where it's like Christ, there's some good defenders. There's some good offensive linemen. There's a lot of needs. Carolina has a million needs. The Giants, again, have a million needs. Atlanta is in rebuild, could use, I mean, all those, all the things Thor said at the end of like any of those guys going to Atlanta. Uh, this, you know, yeah, any yeah. of the, the safeties, the oh, quarter, the, any yeah. defensive players to Atlanta would be a nice move. And then this, I mean, the same thing with Seattle, the same thing with the Jets. Like there's a lot of teams that need defensive. And just defensive in general, and then offensive line help. Where I think you're right about wide receiver, the first wide receiver off the board being a little further down than you know maybe usual. Because not only that, but the class. But it could just be like lineman, defender, defender, lineman for a while, and then we see you get to the teens, you see a couple of wide receivers pop. I don't think Minnesota would be in the market for that. Minnesota's probably defense. Maybe often Minnesota would take an offensive lineman if somebody fell. They'd be oh, foolish think? not to. I mean, they still need help on the offensive line. Like it, it would have to be a value pick, like the Browns had the other year, where it's like, oh Christ, like this guy. We thought we'd have like three more people off the board at this point. So they they could slide offensive line, but I think Minnesota goes defense, and then Houston is right after them. God knows what they do. They need just everything. If Houston, Houston shouldn't even be putting any effort into like maneuvering. They should just have a hierarchy list. And when they get to that guy, when they get to the pick, they should just take highest pick all the way through because yeah. they need literally everything. Just or trade take, the three for whatever they can get. Trading the get, three would be electric. as much get, as possible. They could get a, a king's ransom for the three, I think, from a few teams. So trade that and then just start taking the highest ceiling guys. Even if you think it's like this guy is a high ceiling, but it's two years from now, that'd be perfect for your franchise. Cause you're yeah. going to be horrible for two years. So like it, it gets weird in there. Like who, who from like 10 to 18 is really, really thinking about a quarterback. And you know, that's where like Houston maybe, but if I was them, I wouldn't. 
Philadelphia is no. like two picks in a row in there. Baltimore's no, not. No, no. Um, the Chargers, Chargers no. are Saints the... 18. I've seen people mock this 18 and 20 are two soft Des- landing spots. For despite just signing two quarterbacks, I think it makes sense for the Saints if he falls that far because it's that's not a bad spot. Who they sign Andy Philly. Dalton? Do they sign Andy Dalton to back up uh, Winston? Yeah. Oh, they made. They're not going to take a quarterback. I, I, I don't know. They always have for years. They've had too many quarterbacks on the roster. That's like their thing now. Um, but then you got another Philly pick. Philly's not. Pittsburgh, twenty. That's the stopping point. I think. Like if if it doesn't happen right away, and the Giants are content, there's really not a lot of places for it to stop. And I think the only way he doesn't free fall to Pittsburgh is somebody making a trade with the Eagles in there. The Eagles have like three picks from like 15 to 20. A lot of people could be throwing offers at them just to get any of those. If they think they want to move up and get Willis Pittsburgh could be one of those teams where it's like, Oh man, he he's coming to us, but we can't risk somebody jumping us in the next five picks. Let's make a trade with Philly here. Yeah. So I, I really think Willis lands and, you know, the two Philly picks, 15, 16. I think he's somewhere in there. And again, we're a month out. So I'm a lot of, lot of speculation, but I think that's my strongest take is like, if Detroit doesn't like him, it's. He falls to 15, 16, 16th and pick. Steelers end up trading up to get him. Yeah. Okay. That could be a nice, that could be a really nice boon for that franchise if they, because I mean, there are rookies that can contribute right away. That'd be a fun spot for him. I'd feel bad for Mitch. Certainly, yeah, certainly. Um, um, okay, so then, and then my my other my question I want a question to you is, what do you do if you're the Eagles? Because you're not that far away from competing. Oh, uh, you're not that. It's it's not a good division. So yes, that's true. You're, you're not that far from being. You make a couple of nice draft picks. You make, a, you know, some of these moves work out. Some players step up on defense. These receivers continue to step up. You're not that far from like competing 100% for the division crown. So, like, I, I don't know where the, I haven't heard quotes from them saying, like, hey, we think, we think we're going to do this and we're going to, you know, we're going to make it happen. But, they they have so much capital where I wonder what what's the game plan? Do you do you try to build up just a shitload of draft capital by doing some tradebacks and working towards like two years from now, or do you say let's go have the draft with guys that we think because I I don't think everybody drafts the same way based on their expectations for that year. You can say like here's some guys we like we like this guy a little more, but we think this guy can contribute immediately. And he gets to leapfrog that guy because the team thinks they're in a spot where if we take the guy who we think is a little less valuable over the long haul, but he's contributing this year, which can be a mistake if they, if it doesn't work out. But yeah. I, I feel like the Eagles might be in a silly boat like that. A lot of the Eagles vision and again, like they have to like Hertz has to develop if they're going to compete for anything. And I don't think they're, that's not lost on them. Um, I could see them trading out of their picks for few, next year, 
round once, right? Like, I feel like if you gave them the choice, they were like, hey, um, you can have three ones and we'll let you roll the gamble the dice, roll, you know, roll the dice. You, they could land anywhere. They could, they could be 30, 31, and 32 next year. Um, but we'll give you three in next year's round one versus and one in this year's round one. I think they would take that just to see if they can't have a bite at a quarterback if it doesn't work out with Hurts this year, if he doesn't take a developmental step. Um, and then at the same time, as I look at their roster, there's weaknesses in the secondary. There are a lot of old players that you need to think hard about replacing, namely right tackle Lane Johnson, um, everybody on the D line. It's uh, quite long know, in like, the tooth. You know, you you have you could fill you could get three players that are plug and play pretty much out of the gate in this round one, and just you know just see where you see where you're at. And that that's where I, I wonder where their heads at, and I wonder if it wouldn't be better. And this would be my plan if I'm if I'm the Eagles GM, if I'm the Eagles drafts room, I'm saying we have a big unknown at the most important spot. And if we compete, we'll make some trades. We'll make some transactions during the season. We'll make it happen. We, or we can at least try, or we can, you know, we can move some guys around. We can get fancy with it, but odds are we don't know what hurts is. And we don't know if he's ready to take that next step. And then the next year, you know, I'd rather have a bunch of draft capital in the 2023 draft. Yeah. I to think, try to move, I'd move yeah. back this year and build up a war chest so I could move up next year to replace Hertz if I need to. Yeah. And, that's where you and if should you be. Don't, thinking. Yeah. And if you don't need to replace Hertz, you just have a shitload of draft capital to continue to build that team if it works you can, out. Now you can backfill all your aging stars through. Go, go yeah. backfill depth, go backfill defense, get a couple of safeties. Like, I, I'd love to see them turn these three picks into like two picks this year and four picks next year. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with your, you know, get the Steelers to trade up for one of those picks. The problem is you have back to back picks, which makes that hard as shit, right? It like, is weird. Like, you don't, if you had a sandwich pick around someone that had an obvious need, then you have super awesome leverage and they just don't have that. Uh, like the Giants do have that, right? Like if, and unfortunately for them, all the Panthers team is connected to Kenny Pickett, who nobody else wants. Uh, so they can't really leverage anything for that fifth pick to get ahead of the Panthers, right? Still don't understand that. Don't still don't understand it either. Um, yeah. So no, the Eagles are in a really good spot. Ultimately, I agree with you. I would stockpile picks as opposed to try to deploying them, deploy them this year. Um, I like I like playing pretend GM than actually doing like mocks. Well, let me play. Let's play pretend. <laughs> let's play pretend. Uh, rate the GMs. Which who in the top ten? Let's go top eleven so we can include the Washington Commanders. Who in the top eleven makes the most terrible decision on draft day? <clears throat> I really don't think Jacksonville, despite Jacksonville, if I had to power rank them, that management team is probably, I, I shouldn't say 11 out of 11 because there's some multiple teams there, but nine out of nine since we have double New York, double New York. Um, but I don't think they can screw up. Like anybody they want to take there, I think is going to pan out no matter what they do. Same thing probably with Detroit if they just, if they if they really like Malik Willis, I don't know. Well, we won't know. It takes a long time to evaluate how a quarterback pick goes. And again, anyone who's left 
offensive line or defense, I don't think you can really mess this up. So, so you're going to rule out Jacksonville being the fuck-ups. Yeah, and then, again, Houston, it's going to be hard to tell if they fucked up because they have so many <laughs> needs. It's going to be hard to tell. It's like, is this guy contributing? This team stinks. It's like, well, it didn't matter if they you know, drafted Jesus Christ. This team was going to be bad. You know what? I gave them shit for taking Davis Mills with their first pick in last year's draft in round three, and that ultimately was fine for where they were. And yeah, and who going. knows? Like, are they smart? <laughs> that was fine. Are they smart or were they lucky? Because Kellen Mond is bad. Uh, Vikings wouldn't even think about getting him time. Um, so who know who knows how that went? Probably the Jets, man. Oh my god. I agree with you. But did you see what happened in the Nuggets game? No. I, I thought were... you were disagreeing with my Jets take. I'm like, I, <laughs> well, I think the Jets are gonna do good. holy shit. They were they were beating they were... <laughs> Pacers by like 25. They were winning 43-15 after the first quarter, and they're losing. To the Pacers. What the oh, Minnesota's fuck? losing too, damn it. Yeah, Minnesota oh, was up. Holy shit. Today. Do you they see that? That's a halftime game score, 62-60. Game of runs. We it got a game, game of, runs. of runs. When you play the game of runs, I don't know the second half of that line. <laughs> it's been a long time since I watched Dude, GOT. Cleveland oh. was up big on Dallas. They're losing by 11 going into the fourth. Oh my goodness. What Hawks a wild game. We, we, we don't work well. The Hawks are playing a G League team, Dan. I wouldn't it's I wouldn't get fair. your I wouldn't get too excited about your Hawks being up 30, Dan. That it's game of runs tonight, buddy. That's where they, they let off game the gas runs. on the defense. Um I, oh I don't God. think even they could let off enough gas on the defense to I shouldn't speak because I'll I'll jinx the four <laughs> Hawks who are sitting in the 10th okay. spot. All right. The you're, Jets. You're the I, Jets. I believe I believe right. it's the Jets. I, I think again, it's pretty obviously so, the Panthers. So um, yeah, the Panthers again, I don't they're in a tough spot. I think the Jets and the Panthers are in a tough spot because the Jets, a lot of what they can do is going to be dictated by the, the team. Yeah. Teams in front of them, obviously works. And that four spots kind of a, I, I guess you're going to end up with somebody, but I feel like they, they bottled the second pick. Yeah. They do something. So I, the Jets are like, it's the pan liable to take the first wide. Here's receiver, why it's man. the Panthers. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Did you know the Panthers do not have a pick in round two or round three? They do not have yeah. a day two pick, which means they either come out of this draft with a utility player with their only <laughs> capital or they reach on a quarterback and we're like, well, they gambled and we just reflect on that gamble for the next two years. Right. So it's they they are in a lose lose spot with where they are and what they need. Um, and. Yeah, I think the the smoke connecting them to Kenny Pickett. I mean, well, let's assume that that's correct. I don't have any th reason to think it's not. Um, boy, does that not really scratch an itch of oh, they got their quarterback situation figured out now? Just my Chrome is just weak tonight. It's I can't open a new tab without freezing up right now. Um, so. If the Jets just fall into Thibodeau, that's a great pick. They it have, is. Yeah. They have a desperate need there. But they I can scoop him at 10 <laughs> based yeah, on what the steam is telling us. I I, th I think if I think if he's there at four, they might just take him. It depends who else is there, obviously. But that that might be a spot because it's the Jets. But I just I worried like I don't like Drake London. I don't no. like I mean, if somebody reaches for a lave, 
I, I don't know if that happened. Like teams, teams get weird with this pick. Remember what the Raiders did. Um, some of these teams reach for wide receivers because I think the the gap between how teams evaluate wide receivers is massive for some reason. Everybody has really different opinions on these. So I think that the every Jets, wide receiver tends to work out. It's fair. I think the Jalen Jets, Riggs is the only example I can think of of a first round pick the last two years. Well, Ruggs. Was he, did he play for TCU? <laughs> uh, Rieger was TCU, yes. Yeah, that's there was one more. What was our COI side? He was a little deeper in the draft. He was a round two pick, yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, the, I think the Jets probably just luck into a good fourth pick and then screw up the 10. But I think you're right about the Panthers. Like, that's just a poor franchise. Yeah, they're in a terrible, terrible, terrible spot. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's reconvene on some draft stuff over the next few weeks here. I love it, man. I'm we didn't even really talk much betting draft stuff. Let's get into that more, and we probably won't next week. I think we're going to do a UFC pod next week. Oh, hell yes. Remember? We talked to our guy. We're we got to do, do a uh, Masters pod, too, man. We're going to do a Masters pod. We're going to do Wait, a UFC. Next next week is the Masters, right? Yeah, we're oh going to do God, UFC and Masters. Anything anything interesting going on in Masters news? Um, Phil is out. <laughs> Whoa. Did when did that happen? Abe Answer just pulled out of Laro at like the eleventh. Pulling out of a tournament at eight p.m. on a fucking Wednesday isn't cool. <laughs> that's 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 what that's what we in the business call a dick move. It's a dick move. It's better than pulling out after DFS lock like Matsuyama, but you guys took your life <laughs> into your own hands there with uh, Tiger. So uh, Circa or Superbook, one of them out there opened it. Will Tiger play? Um, and it, it opened at minus 15 both sides. And within 20 minutes, will Tiger play? Yes, was bet out to like minus 285. So the action on that is one way. Um, the action on how will he do is going the uh, in more of a negative way. So, Circa, yeah, Circa mm. is the one that had the Tiger prop, which I, I'm sure... I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna fade Tiger, not pre flop. Wait until he goes out there and does something like impressive in round one, and then get your and then get your tiger fade on. Yeah, you have plenty of time. And in fact, let's let's pretend Tiger does well in two rounds and makes the cut. You should Martingale, fade him round three, fade him round. You know, take it to the wire. Like the idea that he comes back and wins does anything of note in this tournament, I think, is pretty uh, again pretty rich. All price dependent. People are like, I'm going to bet him to miss the cut. I'm like. At what price? It's not up. Like you got to tell me. No, it's up. It's up at Circa. That they, yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. They did offer some of those oh. props, and you can bet it now. But like this is a you know when he first came in, and like yeah, whoa, at what price, guys? What are we doing here? You can't, you can't just say I'm betting something without seeing the market. So I and also it's hard to miss the cut at Augusta. There's yeah. only 91 men in the field, and it's like top 60 in ties, and Larry Mize and Sandy Lyle aren't making the cut, guys. So no. I mean, uh-uh. um, no, we'll have some good Masters content next week. Uh, I hear your question, Brandon uh, Pensabene. Uh, we will definitely do more tennis podcasts. Tennis At season for the majors. I'll tell you what, we man. Will, we'll do a Wimbledon. We'll do a French. Let's do that. I don't mind just doing more tennis in general once we get into the clay swing because that's the that's the that's the business part of the season, man. It's my and favorite part of the season is the European clay swing. Yeah, South and- American clay swing. Suck my butt. 
<laughs> Monte, Monte Carlo, all yeah. the I I love yeah. those tournaments. It it builds and and everyone is is okay. it's like everyone is more interesting, and then you get the break for uh, for Roland Garros. Um, the uh, the general state of the men's tour in AT in uh, oh, God, tennis right now. This right now. What are we going to do a tennis pod right now? No, I just wanted to just comment that it's <laughs> like it's decent. never it's never been better. Like it's it very is, fun. It is ne- it, this, and I I have low expectations in Miami in general. And Miami's been could, fun. We could we oh it's been it's been so fun. Yesterday's Alcaraz Sissipas was fucking awesome. Uh, Alcaraz potentially against Medvedev next round would be fucking awesome. Alcaraz then potentially against Zverev in the finals would be fucking awesome. Like the fact that you're getting to see Alcaraz go up against. Uh, you know, sort of the guys that are all stepping in in the absence of Joker and uh, Nadal is so good because you need these, you need this, you need these head to heads to understand exactly how good Alcaraz is. Like he's playing like the second best player in the world. Like, I don't know what else to say. And if he beats all these guys, it's just going to crystallize that. And it's going to be like, holy shit, this guy came out of nowhere and is now competing, you know, is, is, you know, he's going to be two on the odds board after Nadal for the French open. Like it's going to be awesome. I cannot fucking. Yeah. The, the way the draw shook out too, like the Medvedev Alcaraz match is your final. Although we said that about Alcaraz Nadal and then Nadal had a hurt shoulder, which kudos. We're not getting the American double there. There are no, yeah, there are no Americans left. So we're not getting an American double in the sunshine. But it was cool seeing an American win Indian Wells. It had been a long time. So crazy, then, yeah. man. So yeah, let's, this, let's, uh... do, let's, let's do some tennis. I'm going to look at the schedule. Uh, I know so we had much. a couple weeks where there was like, uh, we, we draw out a schedule with all the big events. And there were a few weeks where it's like, man, there's not much. That might be a good spot to just talk about the. Uh, you know, tennis. It looks. Oh like, yeah, May. Once we get to May, we'll be we'll be there. We're gonna do more right, draft so pods too. Two, for sure. two. So next week, Masters and UFC. The week after that, guess what? Tuesday of that week is the NBA play-in tournament. Oh, and fuck yeah, Friday NBA is the too. NBA playoffs. So you better oh, yeah. believe your your ass. We're doing NBA <laughs> content that week. Yes. The week of the 18th and the 20th, I don't have anything. NFL I, draft. Yeah. Well, the NFL draft is the 28th. No, I know, but we we have we gotta we gotta be a week. So that's what, yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do an NFL draft and we'll do a tennis one that week. Yeah. And then the week after we'll do a draft and something else. That'll be fun. Bam, bam, bam. That's awesome, man. It's all coming together. Um all right. Need, yeah, I love it, man. I'm, I'm um, writing this up now. I love it. Enjoy uh final four. Enjoy the Valero open. Enjoy the Miami final. Um, whatever your sports persuasion is. Uh let's go heat uh f1 stay inside the number no f1 is off this week no f1 we got a week until uh they go to australia we have the toyota owners 400 which is you can't watch it unless you have a tercel i guess i don't know what the fuck that means toyota owners 400 is the word the the nascar the names are getting so bad we're never gonna end this podcast damn it's it's laughing all right hit the music let's go excited for F1 down under the Toyota owners 400 but oh, Dan, Dan's Dan's got his mic on he's gonna say something now yeah, yeah. F1 down under um yeah they're I think they must have had a week off of F1 because they're all